Kwaze, kwaze, kwabonakala, tina sofa nanaye. Kwaze, kwabonakala, tina sofa nanaye. Kwaze, kwabonakala, tina sofa nanaye. 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 Kwaze, kwabonakala. Tina sofa nanaye, kwaze kwabona kala. Tina sofa nanaye, tina sofa nanaye, tina sofa nanaye, tina sofa nanaye, tina sofa nanaye. When he comes, I shall be like him. When he comes, I shall be like him. Oh. Oh, oh, like him. When he comes, I shall be like him. When he comes, I shall be like him. Oh, 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 like him. No more pain, I shall be like him. Face, yeah. See his face, I shall be like him. Everybody say, oh, everybody say, oh, everybody say, oh, like him. Kubona kala, tina so so fun and so fun and we come to you by way of South Africa. All of my life, I have been in an Adventist church. And I have been so thankful and so blessed. But I don't know how many times I have heard a speaker stand up and say, it's such a privilege to be here. And I thought, I wonder if they really mean that. But I can tell you this morning from my heart, it is such a privilege to be here. God is good. I have, I have two secrets that I'm going to share with you this morning. One is, are we getting a little bit of feedback with this mic? Continue? Okay. Uh, two secrets. One is that if you smile, people think you're smarter than you are. So I try to smile all the time. <laughs> and the other secret is that I cannot sing, but I sing everywhere I go. So if I sing, will you sing with me? Yes. Okay. Here is a little song that 
We've, I've sung many places in the world. One was in Croatia, and the people there loved it and wanted us to sing it over and over and over. And it's a very simple but powerful song. We use this with our teen prayer conferences and adult prayer conferences. Are you ready? If you have heard this before, sing it with me. And smile. Ready? God loves you and I love you and that's the way it should be. God loves you and I love you and that's the way it should be. Not all of you were singing. <laughs> I was watching. So we're going to let you do it again. And this time, make eye contact with somebody when you sing the song, because this is a really important message. So I've got to watch these people on the platform, too. <laughs> were you doing it? Are you ready? Let's do it again. Make eye contact with somebody and smile because what you're saying is so important. This is why we're here, brothers and sisters. We're here because God loves us. We're here to worship Him. We're here to open our hearts to His Holy Spirit. So smile and make eye contact with somebody because you have a really important message to give them. Ready? God loves you and I love you and that's the way it should be. God loves you and I love you and that's the way it should be. Now, you know, an amazing thing is, if I ask you, don't you feel a little better? You'd probably say yes. And it's really interesting because even though you're told to smile, even though you're told to sing and encourage somebody, it makes you feel better. Because this is the way God made us. He knows what we need. There are a couple of things that I wanted to share with you. Pastor mentioned Pray One Million. You have seen that uh, vertical banner out in your foyer. Isn't that nice? Pray one million. Um, I believe the video is ready. I saw it up there. Would you like to see that? It's just a reminder of what this is all about. If you pray for one person, one minute every day, every three months across North America, we will have accumulated one million hours. Praise God. So let's watch this. We have Dan Jackson, but we can't hear him.
Well, that's all right. You have seen this before, and I'm sure that your pastor will show it again. It has Elder Dan Jackson, Elder uh, Dwight Nelson, Elder Freddie Russell, uh, Ricardo Graham, and many people just talking about the importance of pray one minute. It, it's really a sobering and exciting thought that when we pray one minute every single day for one specific person, the accumulation of our prayers is something enormous. Praise God. If you have not asked the Lord for that person, ask him now. Tell me the person that you want me to pray for every day, at least for one minute. And you know, we started this in October, and we're getting wonderful stories of how God is changing lives because people are being prayed for one minute every single day. God wants us to come to him, not with just, you know, simple play pen prayers. These are battlefield prayers. God wants to hear his people who are desperate. And we are living in desperate times. So our prayers need to be intense. They need to be filled with faith because we have a very big God. The pastor mentioned that I would say something about the book. The book is I Go to the Rock. Last January uh, 2014, we had a prayer conference in Monterey, California. We had about 850 pastors who were there, and Dwight Nelson and Freddie Russell and I wrote that book for that uh, prayer conference for pastors. It's full of stories and um, encouragement, and I think you'll be blessed by it. I don't know if you know a woman by the name of Dr. Lucille Lacey. She teaches at Oakwood University, you know her, in Huntsville, Alabama. And if you ask her today if she believes in prayer, she would tell you this story. When she was growing up as a teenager, one of her teachers told her, these are the exact words. The teacher told her she would never amount to anything and that she would be a detriment to society. Brothers and sisters, when an authority figure uses words like that, they're not just unkind, they're cruel, and they're not true. But because Lucille had a relationship with Jesus. She didn't allow that to destroy her. She went on, she graduated from high school and college and attended in Nashville, uh, Vanderbilt University, got her master's degree. But she always wanted to get a doctorate and she wanted to teach at a college or university. Is this better? Is it on? Is that better? Sounds better to me too. Uh, she wanted to get her doctorate, but she didn't have the money 
and she didn't know where to go. But she did some research and she discovered that the University in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio, had just the program for a doctorate in music that she wanted. And she prayed and she said, Lord, I don't have the money. But she was given $10,000 from the, the, is it the United Negro Fund for Education. She was given a special uh, dispensation. She thought the money was gone. But you know, even when we think everything is hopeless, we have a God in heaven who parted the Red Sea. And he provided for four Hebrew men in the fiery furnace. Nothing is impossible with God. So she prayed, and she was given this uh, tuition money. But then she had another huge problem. She was told that there were 400 people who had applied for that. The, these positions, and there are only 10 available for students to go to Columbus and study to take their doctorate in music. And she said, Lord, what am I going to do? 400 people applying. And she said, my grades aren't uh, bad, but there are probably some that are much better. But she was praying. But out of the 400, she was allowed to get in. She was accepted. But when she got there, she said there was one professor who especially just uh, wanted to wash her out. And he told her that. He said, I am not happy with your being here. He said, you don't attend classes or functions on Friday night. You don't attend anything on Saturday. But you're taking a perfectly good place of someone else who could be here and who could be getting all of the benefits of this education. So he said, watch me. I will get rid of you. And I don't know if it was racial or religious, but he seemed to be bigoted and um, was discriminating. But again, she took it to the Lord. And she said, Lord, you brought me this far. I can't believe that I'm going to have to be washed out now. And on Friday afternoon, shortly after he had had this conversation with her, he gave his students an impossible assignment. He said, here is an open book test. It was pages and pages. He said, you must have this finished and on my desk on Monday morning. Well, everybody, you know, left his off of the classroom, ran to the library, started working as hard as they could. But this was Friday. So she worked the rest of the day. And about an hour or two before sundown, she folded up her books and went home. It would never have occurred to her to work through the Sabbath hours. It wasn't that important. God comes first. And so she, she spent the Sabbath day as she always did. She went to church. She worshiped. And then Saturday night, as soon as the sun went down, she ran back to the library and worked for a little bit. And then all day Sunday, you know, she was there working. 
but she only had three questions done, and there were 10. And so she was sitting back there in the carol in the library, and she was weeping, talking to the Lord. And she said, God, I don't know what to do, but you know how far I've come, and I can't finish this, so I'm just going to spend an hour in prayer. Now, you know, that is totally adverse, totally opposite to what any human being would think of. They would think, well, you know, here I am, I better work harder. She said, no, I need God. And so she put her papers aside, opened her Bible, and prayed for an hour. And she was weeping, telling God, you know, that it looked really bad. But she had peace. And when she finished her prayer, the Lord just seemed to say to her, all right, now why don't you walk out in the stacks in the library? Just, just, and she thought, well, I should do that. I need some exercise. So she walked out there, and true story, as she was walking, a book would fall down in front of her. She looked around, there was nobody there. And then another book. But she ran back to the first book and she looked at it. She had looked through the test, and so she knew what the material was that she was looking for. She opened the book, there was the answer to one of her questions. And then another book, and another. And finally the librarian came and said, who is throwing books? <laughs> she said, I don't know, not me. She gathered up those books. She went back to her place where she was studying. She finished her test. And of course, this time, she was weeping tears of joy because she was, she was witnessing a miracle. And she said to me, you know, it was as big to me as God parting the waters of the Red Sea. Amen. Only he knew where those answers were. And those books fell at her feet. What a mighty God we serve. I said, Lucille, when you took that completed test in and put it on his desk on Monday morning, what was your grade? She said, he gave me an A and the only A. Because no one else finished it. No one else finished it. Brothers and sisters, our God is great. Our God is, is a God who hears and answers prayer. He says, talk to me, call on me. I'll show you great and mighty things which you don't know. In Daniel 11:32, it may not say this in your specific uh, version of the Bible, but it says, if you know me intimately, I'll make you strong and able to do bold and daring things. I wanna be strong and do bold and daring things. How about you? When you are needing a miracle, and really, we need miracles all the time. I'm praying for a miracle right now. Every day I pray for money. 
I pray for money for the North American Division prayer ministries because, and God has given us millions, but it comes and goes. And in 20 years, you can use a lot of money pretty fast because prayer coordinators and pastors need help to get to meetings and for resources and all kinds of things like that. So every day I pray and I ask the Lord for money and he hears. He doesn't always answer immediately, but he answers. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Do you remember Corey Ten Boom? Yes. Well, I tell people she was my friend. I never really met her. But when she came to this country, she would come to Pueblo, Colorado. And her friend where she stayed would call me and say, Ruthie, I know that you want to meet uh, and talk to Corey. This is the phone number. This is when she's going to be there. So give her a call. And so we had several wonderful phone calls. And to be prayed for by that woman was a wonderful privilege. She was a giant of a woman of God. But she used to take her Bible, and you know we're told, take your Bible in your hands, and with your finger on the promise, tell God, I have done as you've said. Here is your promise. These are your words. And she used to do that. She would hold her Bible like this up to the Lord, and she'd say, Lord, that's Dutch for Lord. She said, Lord, here it is. Read it for yourself. That's faith. That's faith. And I believe God wants us to have faith like that. I love the story of the Red Sea because that is so totally impossible. Here's Moses with maybe 2,000 people behind him, and they come to the Red Sea. They've got Pharaoh and his army behind them. And they are panicking because they can't see any way out. And they say to him, we told you this wasn't going to work. What are you doing? Weren't there enough graves back there? Take us back to Egypt. And of course, they couldn't go back to Egypt because Pharaoh and his army was there. But you know, Moses prayed. And then he said, don't be afraid. Do you know that 365 times in Scripture, God tells you and me, don't be afraid. It's just like every morning when you get up, he says to you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. I will never leave you or forsake you. You are valuable. You are worth so much to me. And I'm not going to let you slip through my fingers. The enemy is strong, but I am much greater. And we can just thank him every day that we have a God who is so much greater. I like this passage. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. Let me tell you a story about a lady 
a young lady in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I put this in my book, uh, God Wants to Hear You Sing. And you know, I'm just praising the Lord for this, but that little book on hope became an Amazon bestseller. That's God, that's God. But when I wrote this one chapter that I'm gonna tell you about in a few minutes, I sent it off to Rodney Griffin, who is Songwriter of the Year for Southern Gospel for the last 15 years. And he and I are friends, and he said, you can use any of the lyrics of any of my songs. And so I chose some of the songs, and then there's a CD in the back of the book so you can hear the songs. Well, when I sent him this chapter, he said, well, it's a good chapter, but we can't use it in the book. I said, why? He said, it's not true. I said, Rodney, it is true. My husband and I have checked out the details. It is true. He said, praise the Lord, put it in the book. So, are you curious? Her name is Janelle Chang. She lived in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and when she graduated from high school, she wanted to go to Boston to college. She didn't know why. She just thought that sounded elite, you know, like the academic elite go there. But she didn't know why uh, or what the Lord wanted her to do with her life. Her parents took her up there, got her a little apartment, and got her settled. And then at 5.30 on Sunday morning, they had to leave to go back to Tennessee. So they left her alone in this little apartment at 5.30 on Sunday morning. And Janelle fell apart because it was her birthday. She was a long ways from home and it was cold. She didn't have any friends. She didn't know what she was doing there. She didn't know what God wanted her to take in college. And so she did the human thing. She started walking back and forth in her little apartment. And before long, she was crying. And she was telling the Lord, ain't it awful? And she was ticking off all the reasons why things were so bad. She said, I don't have any money. I have saved $50 that I have to use for a pair of New Balance running shoes. And that's all the money I have. And she said, I don't have any friends here. And today's my birthday. Always on my birthday, we have a group of friends that will go out to eat or do something fun. Cake and ice cream, something fun. And today I have nothing. And the more she felt sorry for herself, the worse she felt. And she kept telling the Lord, and I don't know why I'm here. This is just a big, cold, unfriendly city. I'm a long ways from home. And she kept reminding him all the reasons that she had to feel so in a funk. But finally she wore herself out and she threw herself across her little bed and went to sleep. In her sleep she had a dream. And she said Jesus came to her and he said, Janelle, I know this is your birthday. I know that you're not happy today. I know you don't have any money. I know you're going to get a pair of New Balance running shoes. Don't do that. I don't want you to get a pair of New Balance running shoes. I want you to take that precious $50 that you've saved 
and go and buy a dozen long-stemmed red roses. Now, girls, on Valentine's Day, tell me what a red rose means. Somebody loves you. Well, when she heard Jesus telling her this in her dream, she argued with him. Dreams are funny things, aren't they? She said, well, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I don't have money to waste on flowers for strangers. And they're not going to want, nobody's going to want flowers from me. And so she argued with God. And the more they argued, you know, the worse she felt. Finally, she, he won. Finally, Jesus won. And when she woke up from her nap, she remembered every detail of the dream, which is really unusual. She remembered every detail. And so she put on her coat, walked out the door, put her money in her pocket, and she said, God, I already feel better. Why? Why do I feel better? Well, you know, when you're thinking about somebody else instead of yourself, this is the way we're made. Our nervous system is made to serve and not to be served. And so when she went out the door, she was already feeling better. She chose a dozen long stem, beautiful red roses. And God had told her, when you buy these roses, I want you to find a quiet place and pray. And tell, tell me that you have done this and I'm, you're giving them to me. Ask me to bless every one of those and I'll show you who to give them to. So she did that. She came out of the store. She found a quiet place and she prayed and she gave those to the Lord. And then this is how she explained the first person that she gave them to, gave one to. She said, I smelled him before I saw him. Here was a homeless man sitting on a box, leaning against a building, and he looked so hopeless. She walked up to him and got right kind of in his face and she got down on eye level with him and she said, Sir, I wonder how long it had been since anybody called him, Sir. She said, Sir, this is a very special day for me and I want you to have this rose. And she handed him the flower. Tears flooded his eyes. And he said, is that for me? She said, yes. And as she walked away, she patted him on the shoulder and she silently prayed. She said, Lord, this man did not desire this. This is not what his goals were when he was a young man. Nobody just plans as a goal to be a bum or to be a homeless person. She said, Lord, bless him. Bless him. Do something special in his life. Then she got on the subway and she saw a young mother with two toddlers and a baby. And the baby was crying, the children were squabbling and everything seemed to be out of control. And she walked up to this young mother and she said, this is a special day for me and I want you to have this rose. Again, tears flooded her eyes. And as she walked away, Janelle prayed silently she said, God, do something for that girl and her family. Do something special in her life.
and she had the most wonderful day of her life, giving out God's roses, till she only had one left. She looked across the street, and there was a large hospital. She walked in, and she found a nurse down by the nurse's station, and she said, my name is Janelle Chang. I have been giving out roses today. I have one left. Is there a patient that you think would like to have this? The nurse said, oh, yes. I don't even have to think. I can tell you exactly who should have that rose. His name is Carlos. He speaks only Spanish. He's 15, and he's probably losing his battle today with a malignant brain tumor. And she said, it is killing all of us because we have fallen in love with this boy. He's been in many times for several years for tests and treatments and surgery. And he's always been so brave. He's always been so tough, you know, such a sweet kid. And we just love him. But today he's probably losing his battle and it's killing us. Give him that rose. But you won't be able to talk to him unless the translator is there. But I know his whole family, of course, is in the room. As they walked in, the first thing Janelle did was to walk over to his mother and just let her mother have a big hug, his mother have a big hug. You know, a hug is understood in every language. Doesn't need translation. And the mother was able to just sob in Janelle's arms. Somebody was there willing to understand and to just be with her. Then she looked up at the head of the bed and the translator was there. So through the translator, Janelle was able to say to Carlos, Carlos, this is a very special day for me and I want you to have this rose. And she placed the rose on the pillow he was lying on his side, awake, but very, very weak. As she placed the, the pillow, the rose on his pillow, she made sure that he could smell that fragrance and feel the velvet petals. And she patted him on the cheek, and through the translator, she said the same thing that she had said to everybody else. This is a very special day for me, and I want you to have this rose. And she saw tears drop down on the pillow. She tiptoed out of the room because she didn't belong there. But as she was going down the hall, she heard somebody say, Janelle, wait just a minute. She turned. It was the translator. The translator said, how did you know Carlos? And she said, I didn't know Carlos. Out came her whole story. I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm here going to college, but I really don't know why I'm here. I had $50. I was going to buy a pair of New Balance running shoes, but I had a dream and God told me to get these roses. This is just the last one left. And she said, today's my birthday and God has given me a wonderful, wonderful birthday. That's the story. And the translator looked at her incredulously, like, I can hardly believe this. She said to Janelle, well, I have a day job. I work Monday through Friday, 
And then I come here on Saturdays and Sundays as a translator. And I love this. But sometimes I'm very, very busy. And I'm called all over the hospital. So she said, I was here all day yesterday until very late last night. But before I went home, I came to Carlos's room. And I said, Carlos, I have to go home now. But I want to tell you two things. I love you. And I hope that you'll be here in the morning when I come back. Do you know what I mean? And Carlos weakly whispered, yes. She said, Carlos, is there anything I can do for you? He weakly whispered, one red rose. And she said, I went home very late. I didn't have an opportunity to get Carlos his rose. And they called me in extra early this morning, and I didn't have a chance to do that, and I couldn't do that. And we're losing him today. But Carlos has his rose because God wanted Carlos to have his rose. Amen. And they looked at each other with a new understanding that, brothers and sisters, we have a God who loves you enough to send flowers. He will do anything to show his love. He has demonstrated that on Calvary. He will never leave you. He has a plan and a purpose. And he wants us to know every day that he loves us. Well, they were both aghast to realize what had happened. As Janelle turned to leave, she said, well, I'm so thankful that I could be part of this, of God's miracle for Carlos. And the translator said, just a minute. I told you I have a day job. I work for the New Balance Shoe Company. And she said, I'm a vice president. She put her hand in her pocket, pulled out her business card, and she handed it to Janelle. And she said, Janelle, this is your gold card. Anytime you need a pair of New Balance running shoes, just take this in to any store where they sell them. And they will be happy to give you the pair of your choice. And this isn't just for one pair. Well, you know, Janelle was in tears of gratitude and total surprise. Tried to thank her. And they talked for a few minutes. As she left, she was running down the steps of the hospital, and she said, God, did you see that? <laughs> this is so overwhelming. And I think I know what you want me to do with my life. I think you want me to be a hospital chaplain. Because I've never had such an exciting, beautiful day in ministry, allowing you to work and bless people. And she said, that's what I want to do. And so she, that's what she did. My husband and I met her in Orlando, Florida, when she was at the Florida hospital, taking her clinical pastoral education. We talked with her pastors. We talked to people 
who knew her and we got details for the story. We checked out to make sure everything was accurate because you can't put something in a book if it isn't true. But we were so thrilled to see what God had done. And you know, she said to me, I met her fiance and they were getting married in two weeks in Paris, Paris, France. And she said, Ruthie, can you come to my wedding? I said, in two weeks? In Paris? She said, yes. I said, no. <laughs> but she uh, finished her course, and now, today, she is working at Littleton uh, Adventist Hospital in Colorado. And every year on her birthday, she buys a dozen long-stemmed red roses and prays over them and gives them to various people. And God always gives her one, one rose that shows that he is dealing and blessing someone in a special way. We have a God who loves to bless. And I, I'd like for us on this Valentine's Day, in this day of, of uh, in the week of black history, uh, this gives us a wonderful opportunity to bless one another. And it really is God who blesses. And that's what makes it so powerful. I'm going to ask, I'm not sure if I have permission for this or not, but I'm going to ask Pastor Madden if he will take this chair right here. Pull it. Yeah, over here. I'm going to have, ask all the elders to quickly come up to the platform and help me do this. And Pastor Clark, just take these two chairs. We want to have a special prayer of blessing. Now, they're no, they're, you're not sitting in the chairs. I'd like to have Pastor Madden and Pastor Clark. Pastor Clark, take these chairs of honor. They weren't very excited about doing it, were they? <laughs> People don't want to be the focus of attention, but this is where they are right now. And we're going to ask God to give them a special blessing. But remember that Jacob wanted the blessing so badly that he went about it in all the wrong ways until he came to the brook Jabbok and he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And God blessed him. Changed his character, changed his name, changed his life. And then Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.29, don't let anything corrupt come out of your mouth. Nothing negative. You know, as we travel around North American Division and beyond, we call for a moratorium on criticism. Because, brothers and sisters, criticism is destroying churches. It is not from the Lord. It is from the pit. 
And where there has been a moratorium on criticism, God has blessed with new members and new warmth and new love. So I just want to encourage you, call for a moratorium on criticism. Gossip is never the way to solve problems, never. It destroys the environment, destroys the person who's speaking and anyone who's listening. Paul says, don't let anything corrupt come out of your mouth, but that which builds and encourages. And he said, encourage one another in the Lord. So I'm gonna ask some of these elders, we don't have time for all of them, but two or three, just in a sentence or two, tell these leaders, how do you see God at work in their lives? They don't know. We remember the negative things 14 times longer than the positive. That's, see that? Our minds are twisted since the fall. That's the way it is. So, how do you see God at work in their lives? They need to hear from you. Mr. Madden, I see God at work in your life in the love that you show, the compassion, and your willingness to go above and beyond for our members who need help. That's the clock. I see God at work in your life and how you have just jumped in with our young people and showing them that we are here to support them and to make this a place where they want to be. Pastor Madden, I, I see you as a loving person, not only for your church family, but for our family and even strangers. And I just praise you and just hope that God will bless you to continue to be with us and share your love with his people. Pastor Clark, you are a lover of young people and that's where our roots lie, in our youth. That's our future. And I just pray that you are with us a long time so you can work with our youth so they can be blessed. Um, I work with both of you most of the week. So I get to see you as much, if not more, than most of the people in the church. You have great compassion, you have patience, you have love that you uh, show to the children at our school. You are great, both great teachers, and um, I believe that the Lord has brought both of you here, even though you had to come from Canada, <laughs> because there was a special work that had to be done, and he brought you from afar to make sure that it happened here. Thank you. I know that everybody would like to say um, reams and reams, and we don't have the time, but I'm going to ask all of you who are here to just come around in front of them. Make a circle around them. And touch them. Do you remember Elder Charles Bradford? I used to work with him, and he stopped me in the middle of a prayer one time, and he said, just a minute. The Bible says, if you're praying for someone specifically, it's fine to lay on hands because it's not because we have power in our hands, but it's a gesture of warmth and faith, faith. So I'm gonna ask some of the elders to just 
have a special prayer of blessing. The Holy Spirit has to do this, and he will. God will do this. Father, we come this morning to praise you for all that you've done. <clears throat> we ask, that, Father, that you would continue to bless our pastors, <clears throat> draw them closer to you, and lift their hands, Lord, so that they may be able to show us the way, how we should live for you. Father, give them strength, keep their families in good health, and allow us to show our love for them in a way that they can see that we all belong to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Our Lord, Heavenly Father, Creator of Heaven and Earth, we come to you right now with uh, Pastor Madden and Brother Clark right now, Heavenly Father, as you see. Lord, we just ask that you continue to lead these brothers, to lead the flock in the way they should go, in, that, the, in the direction of your will. I pray that you bless their family, Heavenly Father. I pray that you lead their family also. I pray you bless the congregation. We thank you once again for bringing them to this point. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanking you, Father, for these two pastors that you have blessed us with thus far. Thanking you, Father, for the things that they have done in the past and the things that they're doing presently. But, Lord, we pray that you would anoint them this very moment, Lord, for what they are planning for the future for this body. Thanking you, Lord, that you will continue to direct them and continue to bless them and their families as they continue to do thy will. Bless us all, Lord, as we continue to do the, your work as we await on thy soon coming. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Father, I know that for both Pastor Clark and Pastor Madden, they want nothing more than the infilling of your Holy Spirit, as we've been studying about how that changes our lives. And so, Lord, in their capacity as leaders in this work, Lord, I pray in a very special way that each and every day that you will fill them with your Holy Spirit. I also pray for Sister Rudy as she has come and shared with us today that she will continue to bless her work and to fill her and the work that she's doing, Lord. Fill her with your Holy Spirit power, guidance, direction, blessing, protection. In the name of Jesus, amen. Father in heaven, thank you for these two men who belong to you. Thank you that their hearts are in your hands. You've called them into the ministry. They have been ordained. Their lives are yours. But Lord, they want more. And so will you open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing on them, surprise them with your power, because you have a special plan and purpose for them. Protect them from the enemy. Lord, may there be prayer partners in this church 
who will pray for them every single day by name. Surround them with your power. Lord, you took a day and blessed it and made it the Sabbath, which will have eternal significance. And Lord, you blessed a little, man, little boy's lunch and fed multitudes, thousands. So we're asking that you will bless these two brothers today in a way greater than we can ask. They came in as our pastors here, but let them go out like Moses, strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. As they're going back down to their seats, will you sing with me? Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops ground and start falling, but for the showers you need. Now, we, we're going to ask you to turn to someone that you're sitting with and affirm them. Give them an affirmation. How do you see God at work in her? And how do you see God at work in her? Tell, tell each other, affirm them, and then lay a hand on their shoulder or take them by the hand or whatever and pray a prayer of blessing. Everybody in this sanctuary this morning needs a special prayer of blessing. So don't, don't leave without that. So turn to someone right now and affirm them. Don't leave anybody out. Don't leave anybody out. You can do it in threes, but you've got two and two, so that's great. All right. Be sure not to leave anybody out. And don't miss this. Don't just say, well, I'm going to wait and see what's happening next. This blessing is too important. Find someone and bless them. Come to the close of this service. I just want to thank God for the way he has been using uh, Sister Ruthie Jacobson and her husband. Indeed, to God be the glory. And um, I know you have not met her husband, um, but, you know, they have been working tirelessly for the Lord, um, getting us prayed up for the Lord. And I want to encourage us to join uh, the Pray One Million. Remember, we have been pushing this. and We want truly God to manifest his presence in our midst. Uh, we're going through the, the process. As we know, uh, our theme is time for change. And we're praying for spirituality uh, this quarter. Uh, this coming Wednesday night, we will continue our, um, our study in the book. I know some of you have not been here. You have been missing the power of God. 
you've been missing it, and this is really great. And so we want to encourage you. Uh, Wednesday night, we want you to come on out. Be blessed. Be encouraged. God has great things in store for us. Amen? Amen. It's time for change. As well, we want to really encourage you that um, in our AY, the AY has been moving and uh, doing great wonders. And um, I don't know what's happening, but um, if you were here last week, were you blessed? Amen. Amen. And tonight, um, what is it about love? What's, what's love got to do with it? Oh, what's love got to do with it, right? And so we want you to come on out at what time? Five o'clock. And we want you to be blessed. Now, I, was, I received a text message that the, there is a kitchen cleanup tomorrow um, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. A kitchen cleanup, as you know, that there have been a lot of activity happening in the hall. Also, the women uh, ministries uh, will host a prayer breakfast March the 1st uh, from 10, at 10 a.m., and this is going to be at 6741 Decatur. Our guest speaker is our Honorable Dr. Eileen White. And so we want you to come on out and be blessed. As we close, and um, we have um, received some word. Sister Richie is in the hospital. She's in the Lake Mead Hospital. And um, prayer requests is, um, is uh, requested for that. Uh, for her. Um, we also have uh, Brother Lykin. Uh, he is in the hospital as well. I think he'll be released today, uh, hopefully. Um, but we want you to pray for him. A young man, I know it's, it doesn't make sense, right? Um, but um, we want you to pray for him as, uh, as well. Uh, Sister Rock, she uh, is on her way back to Vegas here, but um, special requests is needed right now. She's going through some transitions, and the um, will is to keep her in uh, prayer as well. Now, when I came in this morning, I saw Sister Rivera. Where's Sister Rivera? Sister Rivera, where is she? I want you to come forward, Sister Rivera. Um, it would be a travesty for me not to bring you uh, to the church, to the, to the front of the church. Um, Sister Vera has been going through some challenges, right, and health challenges. And um, I received a text message from um, Brother Ryan Johnson this morning. Ryan Johnson right now, he is in... Um, Weimar Institute. And uh, Elder Rivera, don't leave. You should come forward. You always should be beside your wife's side, right? Now, um, Ryan um, texts me and he says, well, um, he went through how many days fast, wife? Three days fast. And I guess you could imagine it's, it's, he's going through a lot. And as you know, he's um, he has been diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis and some other complications. And so he is there trying to um, get well and he's getting some good food spiritually and, and otherwise.